The only purpose of the Talking Space podcast is to educate and to inform. The views expressed in this program are the opinions, experiences, and conclusions of the guests. They do not represent the official policy or position of the Space Tweep Society as a whole, NASA, any other space agency, company, contractor, or affiliate. We choose to go to the moon. Once again, to another episode of the Talking Space Podcast. This is Talking Space Podcast, episode 216, for the week of May 9th, 2010. I'm Sawyer Rosenstein, and joining me, as always, is Gene McCulka. Welcome, Gene. Good evening, Sawyer. Glad to be here. Glad you're with us as well. Welcome, Gina Herlihy. Hey, Sawyer. Sounds like we have a lot to talk about tonight. Indeed we do, and welcome as well, Mark Ratterman. Thanks, Sawyer. It's good to be welcome. Well, we are always happy to welcome you with us and all of our listeners as well. So let's get right into our first topic, which is talking about the next space shuttle mission scheduled to launch on May 14, 2010. And that is STS-132, which is also the final flight of the space shuttle Atlantis. This flight, which is again the final flight of the space shuttle Atlantis, will be going to the International Space Station with a crew of six and will be carrying up the Rosvet Mini Research Module, which will be the first time since 15 years ago that the space shuttle has carried up a Russian module for a space station, and that was actually for the space station Mir. So STS-132, the mission and the tweet-up, what's going on? Well, not only are uh, are we going to be carrying up some Russian components, there's going to be, I believe, three EVAs on the flight. One is to uh, replace a or I'm sorry, not to replace, to install a, uh, a backup KU antenna on the uh, on the ISS. Uh, I think that's EVA-1, EVA-2. Uh, they're going to go ahead and replace about six batteries in the port truss, on the port side truss, um, that uh, I believe that uh, store electricity for, from the uh, solar arrays there. And um, then uh, uh, the last EVA, which will be by... Um, uh, a, a local boy is going to be participating in that, Garrett Reisman. Uh, he grew up uh, in Parsippany, New Jersey, not too far away from where I live. Go, New Jersey. Um, yeah, go. Um, they're going to install the final uh, three batteries on on, on the uh, same truss and, and go ahead and uh, get the old batteries out of there. Um, and I believe um, if uh, there's a get-ahead task in there, they're, they're going to go ahead and retrieve a grapple fixture from the Atlantis payload bay and bring it over inside the station to use as a spare. So um, so we'll see uh, how everything goes. But uh, um, it's kind of sad um, to, uh, to reflect on, on the fact that this is going to be the old girl's last flight, and uh, you know, or, or we, so we think will be Atlantis's last flight. Um, I read a, an article here locally where Garrett Reisman was saying that, uh, well, you never know. I mean, Atlantis uh, may still fly again, but uh, um, this is the last planned flight for for that particular orbiter. So um, it'll be uh, it'll be sort of a uh, sort of a melancholy launch for uh, for uh, OV-104. 
Does anyone know what the plan is when Atlantis lands? Are they going to instantly start mothballing it, or is there some sort of wait-and-see plan that NASA has? I've heard that they're going to start to disassemble the launch pad for the space shuttle as soon as the last shuttle flight occurs. So I'm assuming that once Atlantis returns to Earth, there is a process that I know they're going to supposedly take out the guts of the engines and so forth and get the shuttles prepared for delivery wherever their final resting spot is. But are we in a wait-and-see mode, or do you guys know what the story is? If there's a 1% chance that the space shuttle program could be extended? The only thing I've heard, Gina, I know for a fact is that Pad 39B is going to be disassembled. Um, but as far as the orbiters themselves, I haven't heard any any um, deal as far as where Atlantis is going to go after after she she returns. Um, my bet is, and and this is, and I'm again, I'm just purely guessing here. I don't think they're going to go ahead and safe the thing just yet. I think they're just going to go ahead and wait this out until sort of the political winds finish blowing, and and we're going to find out what, what's going on. You know, if indeed there is going to be. A final launch plan, or a final, or another another uh, launch plan for Atlantis. Okay, so it'll sit in its OPF and just sort of wait it out, probably. That's and what I I'm guessing. Anyone at NASA management would obviously not jump to conclusions and start processing this for shipment until they were 100% certain the shuttle program will end. Yeah, that, that's what I'm guessing. I mean, I can't, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it might be a question to kind of sort of ask some folks, because I know you and I, Gina, are going to be at the tweet-up um, this coming, at the NASA tweet-up uh, for SDS 132 uh, this this week. So it might be that something be to ask. That would be a great question folks. to ask. Yep, I yes. think so. I think I will. Yeah, and I couldn't yeah. imagine them taking it apart yet. I mean, the shuttle program is still going on. Maybe if a part breaks down and they need another one for another shuttle, then they mm -hmm. might take it from there, but that would be it. Okay, that makes sense, which I think that kind of swapping around happens quite frequently anyways until they can rehab something. Right. Okay. Now, also coming up that you mentioned there with STS-132 is a tweet-up, and I believe that some of you did actually get accepted. Am I right? Uh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> yep, that's correct. So, Jean and I are planning on attending. It's two days. Um, we get to go down and be a guest of NASA starting on Thursday, even though the um, launch time is 2.20 on Friday. And there's a full day ahead of us with um, we get to meet some astronauts. Um, I think one each a day. Janice Voss was on day one. And <clears throat> uh, we'll get some tours of the Kennedy Space Center. Um, we will be addressed by certain technicians or NASA management um, and we're actually going to be driven out to the launch pad at the time that they're going to retract the rotating service structure at about 520 on the Thursday evening ahead of the launch and then day two um, sort of a similar program there's a lot of spare time they they'll set up a facility for uh, tweet up members to tweet and um, have electricity power plant you know um, power access, Wi-Fi for us. So they're obviously encouraging us to tweet our observations um, on site there at the press site. And just as yeah. a point of interest, uh, you've got your work cut out for you because the STS-129 tweet up, 
of uh, mm-hmm. the group that was there put NASA tweet up as a number three trending topic on the first day of the tweet up. So <laughs> you gotta go uh, number two or number know, one. Come on, you gotta you gotta beat All that. Right. We'll make you proud, Mark. Um, to, to and to just to, to uh, reiterate. Um, the the uh, getting there and 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 the hotels and all that that's all paid by the participants, um, but indeed NASA is going to go ahead and roll out the red carpet for the folks who've decided to to take the invitation and attend. Um, but we're all picking up the tab for for all the incidentals and, and all that. But uh, um, it'll be an exciting event. I'm I'm definitely looking forward to it. I was there for 129, and um, it's going to be kind of a uh, an honor to. Uh, watch this. Uh, watch OV-104 leave for uh, leave for Earth orbit for the last time, and also to see uh, um, a fellow uh, Morris County resident off into the heavens, uh, Mr. Garrett Reisman. So it's going to be kind of kind of neat. You know, with my little challenge to uh, to make the uh, tweet up a trending topic uh, for people that aren't going to be at the tweet up, which includes myself. Uh, I've got plans. Hopefully, everything will hold together for me. But I'm planning to uh, watch Twitter and watch uh, what I can of the uh, tweets coming out of this group. And I'm gonna I'm planning to retweet them because not everybody sees everything that that goes out. So uh, there's something that anybody can do that's uh, that's watching or catches part of it. And uh, I'll be a little bit more capable this time. I'll, I'll, this time I'll have a smartphone with me uh, that's capable of doing some photographs, so I'll probably post some photographs from that too. So I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to sharing the event with uh, with people who can't attend, and hopefully be able to share some uh, some insights while we're while we're out there. So I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to, uh, to the possibility of bringing the event to somebody who can't be there. You can follow myself at Clear the Tower or Jean at Jean JM29. If you want to read our tweets, or uh, you can follow, is it NASA TweetUp, at NASA TweetUp? Or hashtag yes, NASA TweetUp. Or hashtag yep. NASA TweetUp, yes. So with that, I believe we can move on to our next topic. While we are continuing to talk about space shuttle flights, Florida Today reported on May 4th that NASA has enough money to continue shuttle operations into February if needed, but has no plans to add another mission. And this was announced to the public on Monday of last week, which would also be May 3rd. So what do we think about no more shuttle flights after this, according to the information given to the public? Yeah, um, the uh, shuttle program program manager John Shannon said that uh, NASA is not currently working on any plans to fly fly Atlantis after after uh, one thirty two, and uh, I believe he indicated that if the last flight slips into two thousand eleven, um, you know they'll basically allow the program to continue operations into two thousand eleven. But that is basically it. Um, for the shuttle after that, it's that that's going under the pretext that uh, 134 slips into January. Um, what do I think? Um, I think that's they're saying you know that's all, folks. Um, after 134, I think the shuttle program will end um, either in November of 2010 or January of, of 2011. Well, and, I think you uh, have to ask, what would the next mission be? We have a contract with the Russians to deliver our American astronauts. So that's going to happen um, whether or not we send a space shuttle or up or not. 
if the space station is completed, what other module are we supposed to deliver to the space station? So necess- I would guess it would necessarily be a science-oriented mission. And what science can you do on the space shuttle for 10 to 14 days that you can't already do on the International Space Station? My guess is if we were going to continue the space shuttle in flight, you'd have to have a real compelling reason to fund that mission. I don't know. I don't know what that would be unless there's some sort of short time period science that could be accomplished by a mission. I've well, got it. Might- I know what it is. What is it? They're going to, at some point, probably sooner than later, they're going to have to send up another urine processing system. Mm. Space toilets break. That's true. I'm sorry. Didn't they already <laughs> send up a backup? Or a- they well, sent up an original. Backup. I don't know about a backup. You need a backup to the backup. Mm. You just love those space toilets, don't you? <laughs> I think Gene was going to say something serious, so I'll uh, I'll stand by for a minute. <laughs> well, yeah, um, for take five, I'll recover from that one. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm beginning to think maybe there there might be new rack de- new science rack deliveries or something like that that they might want to want to want to send along. I mean, there are are going to be two other MPLMs down here on the ground um, that they could possibly use to go ahead and deliver all that. Plus, you know, there, there's always, uh, supplies and that, that may need to be delivered as well. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think there was some speculation too, that you might want to stick with two, um, shuttle flights a year to the ISS, just deliver, um, just deliver new science racks and supplies. Even with STS-134, which is now currently the last shuttle flight scheduled, that was kind of just thrown in there onto the schedule to get in the uh, alpha magnetic spectrometer, which is going to the ISS. That was just thrown in there at the last minute only a few years ago. So for them to fit in more missions, it would be kind of tough. I mean, I would love to see it happen, but even if it's just resupply missions, I think it would be kind of tough to convince NASA and the public of a reason to keep them going. And, and again, to reiterate, the... the uh, uh, the contract that we kind of signed with Russia is to the tune of what is it? Um, uh, refresh my memory here. It's fifty-five million dollars a seat. Yep, something so like that. About That's that. right. Ouch. I mean, as Sawyer said, to convince the public. I mean, how many people even know? I mean, people like I guess are aware that space shuttles fly often, but how many people are really aware that they're ending? And sadly, how many people are really going to care? I mean, how many people are actually going to ponder, gee, now when's the next time an American is going to go into space on an American rocket? If there was more of that feeling out there, I bet you space shuttle would continue to fly and the gap would be closed. But I just don't think that many Americans are aware or care. And I'll go back again. I think it's, you know, back to the media on what they cover or what they don't cover that matters. Yeah, I doubt what they would ponder about more flights. But surprisingly, I've been doing interviews of people at random, um, asking them their opinion on the space shuttle program. Mm -hmm. The scary part is half the people, over half the people can't even name a single NASA mission, let alone know when the last space shuttle flew. However, every single person I've spoken to knew that they were ending the space shuttle program. Their reaction to it differed, but every single person I've spoken to knew that the program was ending this year. Hmm. Sorry, what, what was it? Just out of curiosity, what was the reaction to the fact that the that the program was ending, and the fact that there is 
um, you know, a a big dust up as far as what a replacement might be? I'm just curious. It was very varied. I mean, most people, the majority of the people were completely against or relatively against having to rely entirely on the Russians and having to pay to get on. That w- that seemed to be the majority in the census of it. However, I'm not exactly sure about the other one. It, again, it varied greatly depending on who you asked. Hmm, very interesting. I know from folks that I've talked to about this topic, it's, you know, I'm always they, they know me and they know what I'm, I'm into and all that. Um, a few folks think that the entire program is basically over. Uh, at least that's that's the consensus where I work. The entire anyway. manned space program is over. Yes, they they are under the impression that it's dead, um, that that the White House has killed it. Right, and that there's that no seems, space agency at all anymore. Yeah, that that the White House is basically dismantling the whole whole thing, and that that's um that seems to be the general consensus out there and they're not happy about it interesting okay i don't blame yeah. you yeah Mark, yeah what about just, you living in florida i mean you must have a sense that people around you must be more aware of this obviously knowing what the impact will be on your state uh perhaps to some degree but really there's a lot of people that don't know anything about it other than that it's been flying for a long time and i think they tend to look at it at as being well since it's been around for a while it's probably time to retire it and go on to something else but they don't realize the lack of uh, foresight and commitment on the part of the politicians in backing something else so you know I I know everybody would think well gee that's sad and it's going to have an impact on communities and a lot of really highly skilled, uh, highly educated engineers, scientists, you know, a lot of these people are going to be out of a, a field that they've, you know, put their heart and soul into. But um, I think they shrug their shoulders as kind of a, well, that's the way it is. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, general opinion, I think it's time to move on myself. <laughs> that seemed to be uh, the opinion of uh, a, an astronaut that I kind of sort of listened to that, you know, it's, it's, it's probably time to move on to something. I mean, the shuttle was, is, is still a fantastic vehicle, but it's, it's had its day, and uh, it may be time to, to reach out from the gravity well and reach out into uh, beyond Earth orbit and um, to the moon, Mars, and beyond. Right. I mean, until you think about it, you don't realize the shuttle's 30-year-old technology. Older. Right. Right, and it's, and it's and right, it's been upgraded. Sorry, it it's been upgraded in in a lot of respects too. But uh, the basic airframe and a lot of the a lot of the engineering and technology in it is uh, is pretty dated. But you know, here I, I don't know if this is a topic we're going to to cover. But uh, I saw an aircraft uh, DC three. That's a World War II vintage, 1940s vintage aircraft. He was flying low over the Gulf to make a drop on the oil spill. And that is a 60-year-old airplane. And in one respect, I love seeing this this old stuff, these old uh, aircraft fly. But on the other hand, I cringe because sooner or later, something's going to break. And you can have loss of life, which is the biggest tragedy. And second to that, you can have a, a loss of a, 
a beautiful machine that that you know you would want to preserve for for the accomplishment of engineering and flying it to begin with. Um, just as a reminder, though, the orbiters were designed for a hundred flights. What does that mean? It's not like there's anything to compare it to, or there was any benchmark of doing that sort of thing ahead of when they actually built the space shuttle. I mean, really, how did they know? It was engineered that's, for a hundred flights. Right. That's exactly what they speculated on when they designed the thing. That each one of these orbiters would be would be. Uh, you know, designed to, to last up to 100 flights. And then, you know, the, after that period of time, they should be decommissioned. So I guess they anticipated each one of these birds having 100 flights under their belt or, or more. Then again, they expected to get uh, at least more than one flight a month. Yeah, I know. Um, the, oh, well, they also, in, in the early 80s, were thinking about commercializing the orbiters anyhow. And uh, having one, um, I believe it was Discovery, based at Vandenberg Air Force Base um, at, at a shuttle launch facility there uh, to be property of the military. Um, uh, that, unfortunately, all of that ended with the Challenger accident, fortunately or unfortunately. And uh, we kind of uh, said, well, maybe this wasn't such a good idea to privatize these vehicles and, and thought about maybe, you know, we, we getting our... Um, ELVs together and so on to sort of complement the shuttle rather than throwing all our eggs in, in the shuttle baskets. So. Okay, then let's continue along on to our next topic, which for that we're going to go to May 6, 2010. And on that date, even though most people thought the Ares Orion program was dead, well, guess what? They're still doing tests on it. And on May 6, 2010, a flawless test was completed of the Orion slash Aries, whichever you'd like to call it, the pad abort system. This was the one time that you actually want to hear the words abort, because for this test, everything worked perfectly. So what do we think about that successful test? Looked pretty good to me from actually seeing it. Yeah, I saw the films um, right after the test. I didn't see it live. I had to go ahead and I was, you know, that's that's the, uh, uh, the uh, funny thing about having a day job, but... Uh, um, yeah, who needs work? Yeah, I know. But uh, anyway, um, it looked marvelous. I saw. I, I listened to some of the interview afterward, and uh, everybody was extraordinarily pleased with what they saw. Uh, I mean, not for anything, a, a, screw, a crew escape system is something that hadn't existed for, what, about maybe 30 years or since the shuttle program, because the shuttle, the way, the way the orbiter is designed, you just can't have it. Um, but this thing uh, worked absolutely incredibly incredibly well i think it it it, it uh, really really you know it, it's i'm just hoping to god we actually use the thing because it looked look, look wonderful unfortunately though i still wouldn't want to be inside of that because apparently the landing of it is quite rough but that's the way it's designed yeah i mean it, it it's kind of similar to the to the apollo system um if everybody recalls how that kind of worked um, it's sort of designed to, to land either on ground or on water, and uh, I, I'm, I, I don't know what the data said and, and how hard the impact was. I don't know if, if that information's been released yet, but it would be interesting to see. But it looked like all three shoots, you know, the, the drogues released, the, all three mains came out, and, uh, and it did float down uh, rather, you know, what looked rather gently, but again, um, I don't know what, what the data they've, they've collected looks like, so I can't really you know, speculate on how hard the landing was. 
does completing this test mean the program's still alive? Do you think that Ares and Orion is completely dead? Or if they're still testing it, does that mean that there's still a chance? No, I think it means there's contracts in place that said, you will do this, we will pay you this, and they did. They dotted the I's, crossed the T's. Um, you know, possibly could it have been killed and the money saved? Uh, that's that's an attorney thing, and, and probably NASA is trying to cut the complications from, from that sort of problem. So that's why the... Was it two billion or two and a half billion to shut down the constellation program they were talking about? Yeah, Some I think really it was like large some, number. Yeah, something yeah. like that. So um, I think we'll yeah. continue to see things that you kind of wonder why would they do this? Well, it's because there's contracts and and uh, you know the money's got to be spent, so let's do it and get some science from it. Constellation, I think, is fully funded to the end of the year anyway, correct? Till fiscal year 2011, that's for sure. Yeah, it's it's fully funded until the end of the fiscal year. So um, they're still carrying out the directives. Whether whether or not that means Orion and and and, and Aries are still alive, at, that's an extraordinarily good question. And especially with all the static that's going up on the hill with reference to the 2011 budget, um, I know General Bolden has been telling you know the troops over at NASA to go ahead and and you know support what we're doing and, and try to be positive to it with the press. He, he's kind of blamed the press to, to some degree over um, dealing with with uh, with the whole whole plan and basically giving it a bad rap and all that. But uh, um, I, I think right now up on Capitol Hill, um, the plan is in, in some some jeopardy. Uh, I think Democrats are treating this the, the plan like it, were, it was a, a dead skunk on the road, and they're not touching it. And the Republicans are, are, are kind of blasting it. So, uh, does the thing have a future? I don't know. Um, I think there's going to be definitely a compromise in the works here. And what I'm seeing, and and I, and again, I'm going out on a limb here, guys. Um, I see Aries One coming back. I see the Orion coming back as an assured crew return, you know, not just as an assured crew return vehicle, but an actual taxi to the International Space Station, um, and uh, that is going to be the compromise. We're probably going to go ahead and tell a lot of the commercial folks to say, hey, okay, I'll tell you what, you prove to us that you can go ahead and launch cargo into Earth orbit, into Earth orbit and up to the International Space Station and do it well and do it successfully and when you prove that to us you could go ahead and take humans up in the meantime we we're working on this thing the Aries the the Aries one and the Orion and that will probably be the flagship to get to to the International Space Station and ensure the United States has access to a facility that they've built I mean I know we do have the contract with Russia in, in mind but you know, I, I know folks too want to have assured access to a facility that that we've we've created, and I think the Orion Aries combination would, would make sure that, that that we that we did that. Um, so I'm definitely seeing a compromise here, and I think the the fact that this test worked and went well may actually even hammer that point home. As a uh, side note on the Padabort One test, back in December on uh, Facebook. A group called Orion Crew Exploration Vehicle put up a great animation of the Padabort 1 
launch and and how the the system works. And the great part about it, NASA's got essentially, I guess, the same video elsewhere, but this one's got drums, and uh, it's got a really really good sound to it. It really makes it uh, dramatic in in how the thing works. So take a look on Facebook for Orion Crew Exploration Vehicle and the uh, Petabort One animation. I think you'll find it under videos of Orion. Is that something there, uh, sorry, we could probably put up on the uh, on the show notes once we're done here? I'll do my best to try and put that in the show notes. Thank you, sir. Okay, if we're ready to move on then, unfortunately, our last topic is a sad one. And we must remember Gunter Vent, better known as the Padfjörer, who died on Monday, May 3rd, due to congestive heart failure as well as a stroke. He died at 85 years old, and what he used to do was, back during the days of Gemini, Mercury, and Apollo, he was the pad leader, and he was the last person that every astronaut would see, including every astronaut that went to the moon. Yeah, I believe it was John Glenn that coined the uh, uh, his nickname, Das Padfjörer. Um, uh, the uh, uh, Collect Space website has got a really good... Um, eulogy to uh, to Gunther Vent up there. Uh, Robert Perlman really really did a, an extensive uh, uh, obit on him. And if if anybody's interested, please go ahead and, and take a look at that. A link will be in the show notes. Definitely. Um, also, he had an official website of his own, PadLeader.com. Yeah, so that also should go in the show notes, sir. That will be there. Um, yeah, it, it's kind of sad to to see a, a, an Apollo. Pioneer, unfortunately, leave us. Uh, he was, I mean, he, he was really, really the reason why I think think Glenn gave him the the uh, the nickname, of course, because of his German um, uh, German descent, but also he was extraordinarily meticulous when it came to um, when it came to 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 getting the the astronauts in there and and. and he really, really was instrumental in getting getting the checklist set up for Mercury and Gemini. Um, he was uh, not part of Apollo initially uh, uh, because I believe uh, he had worked with uh, McDonnell Douglas, who was responsible for Mercury and Gemini, and uh, uh, North American uh, Aviation, which would become North American Rockwell later on, later on, was responsible for the Apollo command module. But after the fire, after the Apollo 1 fire, the astronauts demanded that Gunther Vent be returned, uh, and um, North American brought him back uh, to go ahead and, and um, supervise the uh, uh, the Apollo uh, uh, white room. So uh, that's how that's how just meticulous this man was, and that's how respected he was. And uh, it, it's a real it's a real shame that uh, we've lost a. I think we've lost a, a real real giant this week. Yeah, um, the commander of Apollo 7, Wally Shara, who obviously commanded the first Apollo mission after the fire, really led the charge to bring him back yes. and uh, basically transfer NASA contractors so he could still be employed and work in the White Room and be the last person that oversaw what was happening with the spacecraft before it left the pad. Um, I had met him a couple times, and actually I had only seen him a few weeks ago. I saw him at the Apollo 13th 40th anniversary, 
um, Gunther Vent, he lived in Merritt Island, I believe, and um, when there were events um, hosted by the Astronaut Scholarship Foundation, he was quite often there, and I had seen him several times. I had a couple of lengthy conversations with him. Um, he was just tickled pink to be noticed. I mean, he didn't have the astronaut pin on that all the rest of the guys wore that were being honored or being celebrated for whatever particular event. But um, I had probably had a 20-minute conversation with him, oh, 2006, and I asked him if he had any good stories about the Gemini astronauts or the Mercury astronauts, and he did. He said, uh, well, Sharar and Gordo Cooper absolutely drove him crazy um, through pranks and just by absolutely, um, you know, I don't want to say giving him a hard time, but they, I think they, they appreciated his thoroughness, but they had as many questions that he, you know, fire right back that he had answers for as well. So um, I saw him a couple weeks ago. I actually said hello to him, shook his hand. Um, I have yes. had my photo taken with him in the past. So, I, you know, it was just a hello, how are you doing, sir? He seemed like he was in okay health. Um, he was there with his family. So it was unfortunate. I know he's traveled since then. I think he traveled to Kansas to the Cosmo Fair right before he died for another Apollo 13 event. So he was in relatively very good health up until... Um, last week when he passed away. Yeah, that's strange to think that you were just there with him two and a half weeks ago. Yep. That was a neat, yep. that was, Gina, thanks for sharing those insights. That was, that was neat. I'm, I'm, I'm envious. I'm, 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 I have to admit, I'm really envious. The man was a giant and it's sad to, to, to hear this news. Um, I will say just on, on one other note, um, relating to the early days of space flight, Wally Shira this week was inducted into the New Jersey Hall, Hall of Fame. Uh, for his uh, achievements with uh, with the Mercury, Gemini, and Apollo program. Very nice. And just to close out our memory to Gunther Vent, to quote his eldest daughter, Norma, the pad leader launched his final mission, and we remember him today. And with that, I believe we are finished here. So I'd like to thank everybody for listening. I'd also like to thank everybody who joined us. Gene McCulka, thank you. It's always an honor, Sawyer. Thank you so much. Thank you as well, Gina Hurley. You bet, Sawyer. And, of course, thank you, Mark Ratterman. Thank you all, each and every one. Well, thank you for listening. You know you can always get in contact with us because we would love to hear you and answer any of your questions. You can contact us at our website, which is probably the best place, TalkingSpaceOnline.com. You can also get us on Twitter at TalkingSpace. And you can also become a fan of us on Facebook by searching for Talking Space. And with that, I would like to thank you for listening. And of course, as always, have a great day, night, evening, or whatever it may be where you are. Mm-hmm.